Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's up? <laughs> well, I appreciate your spirit here on Red Friday. That's I feel right. like a fan. I know. it's. Uh, I'm a big fan, too, even though I'm not wearing my red jersey. And, um, you know, we're talking a lot. We're going to talk a little bit about fan experience today. Before we get started, I need to let everyone know that Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, the business that you and I own together, right? Yeah, I'm a fan of that, too. I am as well. And you know, if you guys want to see how much my face is made for radio, you can also check out our new YouTube channel where you can like, comment, or subscribe, or check us out on at Startup Hustle Podcast on the gram. Check out our jerseys for Red it's Friday. True. It's true. And then you can also check out our guest today, so Jason Houseworth the CEO of Fan360. It's a pleasure to be here. And I also have my Patrick Mahomes jersey on. Yeah. I, you talk yeah. About, talk I, about I didn't even ask Matt about this, but I, yeah. I'm very excited about the opening weekend. The last time I wore this jersey, the AFC Championship game. Oh, dude, do we have to talk about uh, that? It's Damn D. Ford. You, damn Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Dreamy ass. But, hey, it feels good to put it back on knowing <sighs> we're starting fresh. So before we start talking about Fan360 and all the cool stuff you guys do to... I'm a fan uh, first, CEO second. Yes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, I That's am. good for your company. I am too. So, you know, all right, we're going to have to clear the air. So for those of you listening in Kansas City, you know it's okay. It's fair to be salty about the Chiefs losing the AFC Championship. How do the freaking Patriots... So the Patriots are following me around. When I lived in Indianapolis, they tormented me back home here in KC, and now they're tormenting me. We sat through what was it, maybe three degrees? Did you go to the game? You went. To the are you game. talking about Indy or are you talking about the Patriots game? The I'm AFC talking about the AFC, AFC championship. Oh, I went game. to both of them, but it was like no, 10, like ten, 10 degrees. I lived in it. I lived in Indianapolis for seven years, in between growing up in Kansas City and then coming back. So yeah, sorry. About when, that. Well, when I was there, I was a Colts fan because those were like the years that Peyton Manning was just killing it. So, I, by the way, one year I cheated on the Chiefs. I rooted for the Colts. That's that was right. the year the Chiefs won one game. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let's jump on the bandwagon. But, yeah, so they always had a thing going. But we sat through what – it was three degrees. Um, I bought electric gloves for the game, which they were a lie. They did not even get warm. <laughs> it was like the worst planning ever. And we were in the first row of the lower bowl in the end zone where the wind was blowing directly into our face the whole yeah. time. The upside of it was my wife became the poster child for the cold. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, she was on the news or something. She like that, was right? on two different late night shows, one of which oh, Adam, yeah. Adam Lambert was singing a song about Tom Brady in the AFC championship game. But my wife, Jill, had bundled herself up. She looked like, was it, is it Kenny from yeah, South Park? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, she you was all... You could see her eyes. Yeah, that was basically how she was. And then because the camera people were smart, they waited till I went to go pee to take the footage of her. So I didn't even get in as the guy. So she's standing next to some dude that clearly wasn't me. So not only was she on two different late night shows, uh, she was also on some other stuff. And then everyone asked me, so... 
who is your wife at the game with? <laughs> and I was like, Argh. so. So it sounds like you've had some great fan experience. I didn't so. have a good fan experience, but there, you know, and honestly, I actually had a terrible fan experience because it also took me almost two hours to get in the game. So now some of that stuff are, is, so Fan360, and we love it when you are interactive. So, and you're going to spell this out, F-A-N 360, just like it sounds, .com. Go check out what Jason's company does. But you guys work with teams and venues and stuff to help improve the user experience of the fan, right? Fan experience is what we're all about. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about that. So, um what can what can you tell us about like the basis of of the fan experience and the data and all that stuff that goes on? Well, I'm glad behind. you said that because we believe that you know the experience begins with the data. Right. We like to say we want to we want to know more about fans than anyone else so that we can use what we know about them in order to make their experience even better by knowing what they want and when they want it. And the reality is is that we live in an experience economy. Everyone has a very short attention span. Yep. So you, you better make the most of the time you get. And in the experience economy, data is by far the most valuable currency. So sure. what are some of the the things you can help the teams or the venues do with this then? Like what are some of the use cases? Well, I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the use cases, but but generally we want every fan to feel like that experience was made for them. Yeah. You know, think about it as personalization at scale. Right, you talk about full scale. I mean, you've got a single event that is a very short amount of time. You've got in in, in the case of Arrowhead, what is it, seventy two thousand? I think it's like eighty. Eighty thousand. Almost yeah. eighty, I think. Almost, so yeah. you've got eighty thousand people and yet you want every fan to feel like that experience was, you know, literally made for me. Mm -hmm. That what whether it's the content you push me or the the offer that that you provide to me, but I want you to use what you know about me and make that experience better. So, and I'm not, I don't know if you know this about me, Jason. I know Matt does, but I, so I was in the ticket business for oh, eight yeah. years. And I think we talked, yeah, we talked about that. And it's been a while since I done, I've done that, but um, I got it. I got a, a kind of a third party perspective on what you guys do, the perspective of the team and the perspective of the fans. Cause as I went through the years with that, I talked to a lot of reps that worked in the for the NFL major league and they were they're having a hard time competing against themselves. And so why? All right, so well the NFL is a perfect example. The NFL has created an amazing high definition experience at home. Uh fantasy football and stuff like that and they literally have created competition for their live experience. Because it's kind of easy to sit at home and watch the game on TV. And not three degrees. And not three degrees and play, you know, and do that <laughs> kind of stuff. Of yeah. Well, it, it is for some people. And for, <laughs> but the thing is, is they've created some competition. So, And then they also had things like these blackout rules where they weren't going to show the game on TV unless they sold all the tickets. So as I, as in the final years of this, I talked to a lot of teams that we're struggling to improve the fan experience. They've done things like, you know, I mean, some of it's just like people want to check their fantasy football team, but there's really bad Wi-Fi in the stadium or something like that. And I, and as I exited the ticket business, I saw a lot of these things that were attempting to, you know, oh, kind of like track what you buy or what you're doing. Is that how you guys start with this? Or is it a different, like, where does the data come from? Well, we, we help our clients with everything from the compulsories, which, I mean, you have to have the data 
to really use it. Right. right so right. so you, you need to collect it. And with Wi-Fi, it's it's definitely just a that's a that's an easy source of leads. Sure. But you want you want to help them collect the data. But then I mean the, the first rule of data collection is if you're gonna collect it, you better use it to make my experience better. So then we're gonna help them collect the data and then we're gonna we're gonna bring that together into a a single fan profile. We call it the fan three sixty profile because that's a 360 degree view of that fan. So what and all kind of data does that include? Everything that we can get. And and it begins with ticketing. And that's why as mm -hmm. a, you know, a former ticket broker, you understand, yeah, that's one piece of the data. But the problem is, is that clubs are buying, you know, microservice type solutions and each one has its own data store. And so, you know, they go out and they buy appetizers, their point of sale. And then that has a, a piece of the pie. But you, what what you want to provide are insights that when you you have all of the data about the fan and and just you know one example of that that will probably blow you away is that for people who are you know going to their first time in in any sporting event they are twice as likely to come back if they make any purchase and yet that's an that's an insight Matthew you don't see unless you're able to actually take the, the ticketing data for someone and then bring it together with that so, point of sale data. So if you and, go to your first whatever game and you make a purchase while you're there, you're likely to come back to another game. You're twice as likely to come back if you make any purchase versus the any purchase. And it, it's wow. That's it, inter that's uh, interesting. On, not of a hot dog, but of like a home no, jersey or something. Any, any food and beverage merchant, even just food, in, anything. Oh. And, and so the point is, is that like, like what that, what that points to is that, basic engagement, right? You, you want, you want to have me do more than just show up. And if you can get me to engage right. in some way, you're much more likely to have me come back. So you're able to so, collect, like, how are you able to collect the, um, merchandise, like point of sale data? Well, what we do able is to collect that and then match that to we build, the bot tickets. We we've taken many years to collect data feeds across email, point of sale, ticketing, et cetera. And then to actually you know, our, our platform brings that together um, mm -hmm. and, and associates to, it to a single um, fan profile. And but think about it just like, you know, our primary founder, Cliff Illig, founded Cerner and, and Cerner. That's what that's what they do. They create the, the EMR, mm -hmm. the medical record for right, a patient sure. in which they started out in the lab with that component where he and Neil um, built a, a solution uh, for one hospital to have a lab solution. And then they started, you know, connecting more and more pieces about a patient together. And now Cerner has, I don't know, over 90 modules of different things right, that, yeah, yeah. that they sell to, to hospitals. But it started with, you know, hey, we need to bring everything together about a patient so that that patient record can move around the hospital seamlessly. And in the same way, um, when, when they bought the Wizards, um, they said, we know from the beginning that our club is going to depend on how much we know about our fans and how effectively we use that data in the fan experience. And they used it from the beginning in the way that they built the brand and they, and they, they used what they knew about the fans and what they wanted in order to change the wizards to the sport in Kansas city. And then they used the, they literally built constituencies that they used and they, they iterated with the architects when they built children's mercy park, which is the MLS stadium for the sport in Kansas city here in, in the Kansas City area. And, and that's been a very successful franchise. 
I mean, as far as like it's I Matt, mean, you're a season ticket yeah. holder there, and uh, Jason, I'm assuming you, you, I'm assuming you've been to your and fair for share. For those that are listening, <laughs> Sporting Kansas City is our professional soccer team. Which and but let's but let's look at this because you know professional sports in Kansas City has been has has been tough in some regards. Like the Royals were great when they're good. Well, people like good teams. No one's going to go really. They like a good fan experience. They like a good fan experience. Which has to include at least a little bit of winning. Right. It has to include some winning. But so I remember because the Wizards were just okay as far as like the adoption of the team. But they were in Arrowhead. Well, that was the point. Which which wasn't a good experience. Yeah, yeah. So then they build this new stadium. Now, when they were doing that, I I was, uh, that was actually when I did live in Indianapolis. And I remember thinking, because, you know, at the time, you know, soccer's the like so popular worldwide, but it, it hasn't been a staple here in the States. And I was like, man, can Kansas City really like do this? Because I'd seen the Royals kind of suck with attendance sometimes and stuff like that. But I, I've been so impressed with, you know, as a ticket broker, I then a couple of years called Sporting and they're like, yeah, there's like a two year waiting list. I was like, what? Like, really? Yeah. You know, and so and how many people fit in that stadium? 15,000? Sporting? Yeah. Uh, I think it's like 19,000. They'll get about 20,000 with standing room only. Okay. So the, and it's sold out most games. That's most games. the average attendance that the Royals get every game. Actually, they'll be lower than that. I was going to say, I think the Royals attendance. Well, it was high when and it's and, one thing what they say the attendance is, and well, there's no, another the, who shows the, up. That, that's paid attendance, so that doesn't mean everyone actually even went to the game. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. So we were when we were there. Uh, and by the way, and so, it, it, it also doesn't mean that everyone stays for all nine innings. Yeah, yeah. no, no. So, but yeah. So when they were well, when the Royals were were good, they were over three million, and now they're well below half that. But, yeah. but that that experience has a lot to do with it. Now, I'm a huge believer in the experience. We actually structure a lot of our marketing around. I call it experience based marketing because, yeah. uh, you know, with the suites. So we have one at the Sprint Center here in town. We take people to concerts. We also go to the Royals game. And when I was first, so we call it suite and greet. And my whole premise with with that was if we get as OK, we have two two options here. We get a whole bunch of people in a, in a room that are similar in their thought process, entrepreneurs, influencers, investors. You don't know what's going to happen. Good stuff is going to happen. People talk to each other. But really, my thought process was behind that. And it came from my history and tickets is if you can give someone a memorable experience, they don't forget you yeah. for that very reason. Like I can send you some free pens or take you out to lunch <laughs> or send you pizzas on a Friday. And that might actually be better than the first two. But if we give you a cool experience where you meet someone that might be good for your business or you take your wife or your kids out to a good time. All right. Perfect example. Tomorrow, the Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be real. Like no one, well, other than Jason, you and I don't really want to go to that show. Watson probably I'm does. excited, yeah. Backstreet, I'm back, going. baby. The are bad, going? no. <laughs> but are you but, hosting clients? What clients do you need to host at the Backstreet? Do you want to know who we who we gave the tickets to? <laughs> sure, Lauren Conway and innovate her. I was going to uh, say thirty something females, probably female <laughs> female <laughs> founders. My wife is going. Our so our uh, uh, sales and marketing coordinator Breland's going, and then there and then and then Tim Johnson. If you're listening, he won tickets at the live podcast. Oh wow! And and picked Backstreet Boys to take his daughter. So he's going to be in the. We're not judging. 
No, no judging. He's going to be, <laughs> but Tim, you're going to be in the suite with 15 other women that will have already occurred by the time this comes out. But, but that experience. So like, and people will go to shows and stuff that they don't care about. Now at the, in our Royal suite, no one watches the game. No one watches the game. We had 30 people in there on Tuesday night. And at one point I looked around, not one person was watching the game. They were there for the experience that was occurring. It was fun to have the game out there, but that was very memorable. And, and so what I want to kind of move into next is, all right, so now you gather the data. Like, for, for example, is one of the data points when someone enters the stadium? Yeah, of course. Ticket, so Ticket scans. When you cross a geofence. Oh, absolutely. Think Didn't about, think of that one. Well, some people are like the first people in the stadium. You ever see like the oh, pregame show? It's like an hour before they're like, yeah, we'll be back in 90 minutes for kickoff, Clark. And there's like one dude in the stadium. But that guy's in there. He's in your spending environment now, absolutely. right? So is that. And, and there's, a, there's a big difference between when certain groups of fans enter, right? As far as when season ticket members come in, they'll come in, you know, late. Or yeah. if, if there's, they're actually part of a, an area where they get free food and beverage, then, you know, they, they may come in early in order to or experience this. that. But Let, let's make up a quiz here. Cause I, and maybe we're right or wrong. So I would think that people that would enter the stadium earlier are more likely to purchase merchandise. So the, I mean, more likely to purchase in yes. general. Yes. In okay. general. So. Well, so, but cause the thing is, is like, if you're going in an hour early, you're like going in cause you're like really excited about it. Or you have a GA seat. You got to, Go sit in. That that's absolutely that right. Too. I think that you know when there's um, yeah, there's no, south there, stand and, yeah. and you know you've got you've got uh, areas that first come first serve on the seating. Yep, that's also a great way in order to get people in early um, to get them. But sure, I mean I think that if you look at Children's Mercy Park, the Sporting Kansas City Stadium, it was designed for a number of different uh, stakeholders, right? Like each fan, like in the physical venue, can actually feel like that they have. A, a part that is just theirs. Yeah, if it's a Swede or if they're in the GA section. And the Budweiser Brew House. Special it's, events it's and parties. It's only for the cauldron. Yeah. For those members, that they have their own entrance. They have their own. Yeah. So the idea, you know, with the, the founders of Fan360 was that it began with the venue, but Fan360 was then to continue that and to continue the data collection and what they knew about fans so that they could make every match feel like, it, it was something where it, it was personalized. So the data is right? more, the, it's, it's way, it's use case is way past like, Hey, can I give you a coupon for something that you might buy in there? It's also, I mean, it's about like figuring out like what parts of the stadium people might gravitate towards or just the patterns of like the users in general. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the outcome that ultimately our client wants to go. Okay. I mean, because it, it started with the sport in Kansas city, but right now, uh, tonight, the U.S. Open men's semifinal, you've got, uh, they're a client. Uh, the University of Virginia, uh, they're a client. Their men's football team has a, you know, um, their their first home game tonight. So what both of those clients want to achieve is very different. Sure. So University of Virginia, they've got a great, they had a, they had a great basketball season. Yeah, uh, that's they, true. They, yeah, they actually, yeah. they were lacrosse champions. But cross-selling into football is where they need help. I see. The U.S. Open, what's interesting is that, have you guys been to the U.S. Open? No. Amazing. You're talking tennis, right? Yes. Okay. Amazing fan experience. Flushing Meadows, I think, is a world-class venue. I highly recommend it for you and your listeners. That venue is one where there are a lot of people that go on the grounds, especially in the week prior to the actual events, where they, they open the grounds even for people that don't have tickets. Okay. Why, why do they do that? 
they they want to collect data and and then be able to, to take the excess ticket inventory, which fluctuates depending upon who's winning, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like on the men's side, right. it's if um, it's a big name is winning or losing, they're going to go to that game or not go to that game and all that kind of stuff. That's right. And then mm-hmm. and then on the women's side, you've got Serena still on it right. you know, on the on the final tomorrow. So you know what they're using it for is they're they're using it for automated marketing flows. Sure. Where as soon as you buy a ticket, they're actually they're they're using us to then you know, create what I, what I call set it and forget it marketing campaign. Yep. So once somebody falls into a particular audience, we gather all the data and then we know the audiences that they really care about. So then we're, we're actually moving them into those audiences and then, and then communicating to them automatically. So that really, you know, the U S open is able to do things um, that where they, they were having to do a lot of manual work. We, we can now all automate those workflows, if you will, from a, a marketing perspective based on the data. So that's, those are the types of things that we do day in, day out for our clients. Um, but then, you know, we also have a mobile app and, and the activations around that are different. So the if you think about Fan360, yes, we begin by looking for signal in the data. Then we generate insights from those. I, I, I mentioned one, um, but we, we, we use those to generate insights. Those insights then allow us to group fans to take action on. Because uh, I think about us as... Um, hopefully the the medallia of sports right we're we're a sports focused company in that i think you could say within the experience management space there are all kinds of players medallia just went public a few months ago it's a 4.5 billion dollar market cap so yes we would like to be that but the fascinating thing about medallia is that and, and let's get some backups of medallia their data are you familiar have you heard of them? no so, so they, they do experience management but they were the founders of the net promoter score Ah, okay. So, so they, they just look at a number of pieces of your customer feedback and they try to give you insights into, Hey, what should you do with that? But first of all, they, they don't actually have vertical data that's specific to you. They don't, they, they would never bring in a ticketing or a point of sale or things that are actually specific to your business. And they also don't connect the action, if you will. And so that's, what's unique about us is that, and, and it's actually what, I believe strongly in that you're going to see in terms of experience management, which is that vertical focus and the focus to use my data types. Cause mm-hmm. it's very different than yeah. if I'm a real estate agent, which I, you know, I've talked to some, they have the same type of problem. Hey, how could you use the data that I have that includes things like housing trends, mm-hmm. my own client base yep. and, and the types of outcomes that I want that I know, Oh, every seven years I turn over, Sure. You know, my, my house and, and different things that I know about refinancing where I can actually give the nudge, right? Ulti- ultimately, you know, you think about delivery of a personalized, you know, offer communication, whatever it happens to be, Matt, that, that is a nudge using everything that I know about you in order to provide what you want when you want it. That's, that's a nudge. And that may be to collect more data. It may be to make your experience better, just to delight you. And it may be to to create some type of revenue outcome. Those are the three broad activations that we're trying to do with our client. And, and we believe strongly that experience management begins with data that's specific to your, you know, your industry, because we want to know as much as we can about that fan. What, what transactions do they have? The behaviors, what, what types of things are they, are they engaging in, in terms of content, et cetera. And then we bring all that together and within sports, we, we then use all of the things we know about a fan in order to, uh, to, to deliver what they want when they, when they want it. So, 
by the way, we always like to point out our own distraction when Breland comes in and takes <laughs> pictures of us. And if you want to check out the pictures of the show and see what goes on and also, you know, and like see us like, in our Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. And, well, Heck and, yeah. and Lego Voltron. Let's not forget Lego Voltron. <laughs> It, Voltron, you've been really quiet this episode. <laughs> um, I do have his mic turned down. Should yeah. I turn that back up? I'm afraid what he'd have to say. Does he make like weird mechanical noises? I don't know. It's possible. Hang on. Had to pose for a picture <laughs> with Lego Voltron. So. But Matt, but, let's think about, you, you know, I mean. Thank you for getting me back on track, by the way. You, I needed that. I've, I've heard you say that <laughs> experience experience is really powerful. It and, is. And so it is. think about the first experience you had with any type of sporting or live event, what was it for you? Cause I can, I can remember it very clearly. The Royals there as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like a kid, kid. Um, and my experience is maybe a little different and it, but it was powerful. So my mom was really good friends with uh, a late, the, the wife of the Royals third base coach for, and the guy was the coach for a long time. Um, so we used to go and we would sit with the players wives and those were some of my first memories, but they were obviously a little more passionate and, (laughs) and, you know, believe, but here's the thing is we used to go a lot because, you know, they, I don't know that we just went and, um, and, but that shaped me because I became a huge baseball fan. I played baseball. It's what I wanted to do. I still play baseball like as an adult. And, but it was very formative and it, and it really like, I mean, it really stuck. Yeah. in that regard. Um, and then the next thing in line with that. So my dad's like a monster Notre Dame fan. Like, like, I mean, like it's kind of crazy, right? Do you so, remember the first time you went to a Notre Dame game? I do. I do. Touchdown it, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Touchdown Jesus is there. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, so we, what's, what's we, have, we, we have like years of pictures of touchdown Jesus with our arms up in the air with like, as if touchdown with him in the background. Yeah. So, Um, but you know, what's, I mean, just what stuck with that was the power of the crowd too. like, you know, that whole, like you go in these football stadiums, you you mentioned the university of Virginia and college football is amazing because college football, those stadiums are bigger than our NFL stadiums. Like the university of Michigan's like, like over a hundred thousand people in that place. Well, and then, and then, uh, so one of our clients is Speedway Motorsports and they have Bristol. Yeah. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. University of Tennessee played Virginia Tech in the middle there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and well, it, but, it was the largest college football game ever. And that so, so that was powered by this fans is this is actually was it really? Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. um, but that's one of the things that's been fun with experience. Like you mentioned, doing having games in weird places. So when I was a ticket broker, they did the uh, what the Winter Classic. Yeah, for like the very yeah. first time, and I can't remember where they did. They did it in like Fenway or like, you know. So here they are. They build a hockey uh-huh. rink. You know, in in a really you know, iconic place. Now they, they've done, they're doing these all over. That's kind of lost their uniqueness there, but it's still unique. Like they did want, well, we're talking about Notre Dame. They played a hockey game last year on the field at Notre Dame stadium. So these are ways to kind of enhance that experience and do something a little different because that is a challenge. You look at the Royals, like they're going to play 81. Well, they play 80 games at, at Kauffman Stadium this year, and then they went and played one in Omaha. Omaha. Yeah. And that game sold out. I think it was more than, you know, like most of the games that have been at Kauffman this That's year. Right? They played yeah, yeah, 25,000? Yeah, 25, yeah uh, I don't know. what It was sold out. Yeah. I know, but it was a big deal. But you talk about that experience. So another example is, so the Yankees are playing someone next year on the field where they 
filmed the movie Field of Dreams. Yeah, in Iowa. In Iowa. I, I'd what? like to go. You guys want to go? Yeah, it'll be a great road trip. We were talking about that. Really? So, that's that's crazy. I think well, I already have a, like a, a pass to go because my wife literally, she said, are you going to go? I so, feel like you're the yes. guy to get the, to get passes from actually. <laughs> so, but yeah, so you, but you talk about that weird experience and it, and it came up the other night when Jill and I were driving to the John Mayer concert and cause someone had reached out. They're like, I know you haven't done tickets for a long time, but how do I get tickets to this game in Iowa? And I was like, I have no idea. And I was thinking about how are they going to pull this off? They're going to have to build yeah. like a stadium for a day, but those kind of experiences and, and different stuff definitely stick. So but, I, but, but let me, I mean, think about, you're, you know, I, I raised the first time you go because it is so critical. Oh yeah. And and so if you're a club, if you have a bad like, experience, you might have to go back, but, yeah. but just think about, think about two different approaches. Cause I, I always like to use contrast in order to make a point and approach a is just, and it, it it's like a website, you know, you could, you could take all the content you have in a, in a, on a website and then just dump it into a mobile app, which a lot of teams do, you know, or you could, you could take the content that you have. And actually make what I care about, you know, be in, in the mobile app that, that I, I sign up for, right? There's, there's a big, di- in fact, there's about a 70% difference in the engagement when you actually show me what is, you know, relevant to me versus just showing everything to everybody. And in the same way in venue, if I walk in and I'm a season ticket member like Matt and I go to 17 Sporting Kansas City games, you want to point out things to me that are, you know, unique, maybe for the game. But if it's my first time, don't you want to treat me differently? Yeah. And you want to seize that opportunity, but that, that begins with the data. You have to know like that person who's walking in, you have to know from a ticketing perspective, you've never seen them before, right? You, you have to know when they actually arrive, you have to know these things. And, and, and so, like I said, it starts with the collection. You've got to have the data collection, but then you've got to use it. And, and you absolutely want to use those key fan journeys, like a first time attendee. You want to make sure that you're blowing them away with that. And that's why, you know, when we think about how do we improve the experience and yes, we're experience management. It's because nailing experiences like that takes effort beyond just saying, hey, we're going to we're going to make sure that everybody can get in the parking lot. We're going to make sure everybody can get in the door. You want to go beyond that in order to have, you know, your experience be remarkable. And I think the Sporting Kansas City is a remarkable fan experience because they care about doing that. So what are a couple of things that the data at, that you could share that the data has turned into that are like more tangible? Like, I mean, is this more like, um, I don't know, give us an example. So you get, you collect all this data, you know, when people are coming in, you got the first time fans, Yeah, you got the first time fans yeah. or whatever. What is, give us a real life example of something that that could translate into that makes it better. Like we know we want them to buy something. We know we want, we want the experience to stand out. But what's something that you've seen that has really like made it pop? Yeah, I think for for our, like, believe it or not, the thing that is the most valuable use case first is just fan identification. So knowing who is there, people come in and clubs only know about 25% of their fans when they begin with ticketing. This is, I know this is going to sound really basic. Well, but, is some of that because some one person buys four tickets and you right. know the info it's, about one it's person? It's exactly right, yeah. man, because yeah. you buy the ticket, Matt and I, we freeload, and then, and then we bring our, our other you know, third fan with the jersey, and, and they only know the, the primary ticket buyer. Right. And so when we put all the data together, we get about 60% of, of who's in it. So it, again, it begins by you've got to collect the data. 
and that that's that's the first thing and then from there like you you can have everything from you know like i said just simple personalization of content within a mobile app you can increase it 70 percent by making it highly relevant for one to another which you know over the course of a season can more than than double the sponsorship value for for a team and, and for somebody like a university client like the university of virginia those are those are real dollars. So and, and the people those people are like in college football. Those using my dad's example, they're really passionate about their team, even if they're not that great. Yeah. And and I would think that it would be easy to get them to install something, or participate in something. My dad would probably reply to anything. The university noted. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I call him. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm watching women's fencing. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, Notre Dame's competing for the champion. <laughs> He's like, are you watching? I'm like, I, I didn't even know that sword fighting was so, on the internet. So do you guys create the mobile apps for the team? Yeah, we have, we have a, or you just integrate with them or. Yeah. When we think about our, our, you know, our fan engagement platform, we think about it first as having an engine to bring all the data forward. Right. And then we have, you know, activations, ways that, Clubs can use the insights we have where we organize audiences to then go out and activate. And we have the mobile app. We have a marketing. So, so like the official Sporting Kansas City app? Is the, that the official? Yeah. If, if you look on okay. the official Sporting Kansas City, you'll, you'll notice the Fan360 okay. logo on the splash page. So you guys help them um, do the mobile ordering and. Mobile ordering was new this year. Absolutely. Did what you, is that? Did you for? use it? Uh, if you're sitting in your seat, you can say I want a hot dog and they'll bring it Oh, they'll bring it down? Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. So you guys have to integrate in all the real-time stats of the game, the video replay. Like yes. that in itself is a lot of that's, complexity to build that out. That's the baseline. Yeah. Dude, but then, by, by the way, half the reason I don't buy what I want at the stadium is because I don't want to get up, go find it, yeah, wait, wait in line, line, come back. And, you know, some of that's too, because if you're with two small kids and, you know, if you, I was there with my wife, one of us could watch them, but some of you got to tote them around yeah. and the idea of carrying a full tray back when you've met my kids, so that's game over. Yeah. If, if I'd let them out in the wild. So that's cool. You guys create, create all the mobile apps and everything too. Have yeah. you used mobile or, well, you, you're, you're on the suite level. I have used the Sporting Kansas City app a lot. Okay. Yeah. So what else does the app, what else well, does that app do? So the, the primary thing is that within the, the home screen, it's a, it's a news feed. Think about it yep. as yep. just yep. like a, a Facebook feed. And right. Uh, this is something where the content within it is actually built for people that fall into certain audiences. So yes, there are standard things. Uh, there'll be an injury report that'll be the same, but we try to really, you know, we, uh, this is actually Aaron Bournes, who's the CMO of Sporting Kansas City. He wanted to meet fans where they are, meaning that the audiences that we create, we want to make sure that if you're sitting in the stadium, you shouldn't get a notification that says, watch the live stream yeah, yeah, for this yeah. game. But in the, in the same way, like your dad, um, if, if, like, if he was a University of Virginia alumni, um, he should know that the radio broadcast for the Who's football game tonight is starting because he's nowhere near you know, the, the, the area around Charlottesville. My dad came to my house on Monday because he wanted me to print out the Notre Dame roster <laughs> and his printer wasn't working, but no, but for real, like if there was an, I mean, I asked him, I was like, did you look for an app? And he's like, I don't know how to do that. So I just printed it for him because I was on my way out the door. But so that kind of stuff, I'll give you an example of like of an experience in this. All right. So professional bull riding, right? PBR. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had tickets at the full scale suite at the Sprint Center. I hadn't. I went like six years ago. I had fun, but we did the startup roundup. So we invited all these mm -hmm. early stage startups to come and like do some stuff. And then I got there, and 
every one of us was like, so how does this work? Meaning like the event, like, I don't, do you know the rules? Of, I, I do now, but do you know the rules of professional bull riding? Don't fall off. But, right. So, but the, <laughs> it, that's all I knew. I was like, and people kept asking me and we're sitting there like looking, like it was difficult for us to find the rules of how the event worked. And like, if they, I mean, there wasn't an app, there wasn't anything. And I had to really search for it. And it was like halfway, like while still watching, I mean, it took me a while to figure it out. And I was like, man, this kind of sucks. Cause I don't know how this works. Like I saw they put a dude on a bull and he tries <laughs> to hang on for eight seconds and then they give a score. Now it took me a while to figure that out. It was not intuitive. And I would have loved to have had something that augment your experience. Yeah. And it, and you know, so you look at something like, Hey, all right, so here's the app you downloaded. Is this the first time you've you've participated or seen or been, you know, been at this. Sure. Now on the flip side of that, uh, we went to another thing, monster jam. Uh huh. Yep. Now monster jam actually had an interactive app that you could like vote on things. Sure. And that was a good, that was a clever way to increase probably, engagement. probably track our data. Actually it wasn't even an app. It was just like a website, a website but, yeah. but it was, you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, something I like, yeah. 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 So, you know, so I think some of that stuff can, be a little more interactive now so what are some of the other things that the app does that or your apps do that you know make the experience awesome sure well i mean for our clients uh we have as i mentioned the the app but then we also have the marketing automation uh product we have we we, we do collect um leads via a, a wi-fi uh, product and then we have a crm or a sales product and and so Speedway Motorsports has eight tracks all, all over the U.S. Uh, next weekend is the Las Vegas uh, Speedway race, um, and and they use Fan three sixty four. They haven't every track has their own app. They also use this for ticketing sales, mm -hmm. and then their data is integrated such that they also just use it in order to figure out well which fans need attention. Right? Is that a challenge to so, handle when all of a sudden no one's using the app and then a hundred thousand people are all using <laughs> it at the same time? Well, yeah, it certainly makes something, you know, you, you've, you've got to be able to scale, but I mean, I'm talking to the, the guys at full scale, right? So, <laughs> but, but, um, the, but the point is with that is like, that's, that's a challenge because I would think that would be hard to test. Yeah. But it's not, again, like you're thinking about truly just the technical problem, but it's not just that you've got, you know, tens of thousands of people like all on at once, but you also want everybody to feel like it was, it was built for you. Sure. Right. And so that, that, that's why I keep going back to the, to the idea of personalization and scale and, and how are you using your data? And, and, and really there's, there's a wide range of, of people in terms of how, how well they use it. And, and that, that's, that's ultimately what we want to do with our clients is we want to take them on a journey. We want to take them on a journey in terms of collecting the right data and then using it in, in, you know, better and smarter ways in order to make the fan experience better. At one point when we were ticket brokers, we, I looked at one of our ticket master accounts and I said, man, if anyone ever analyzes this, they're going to think we're really weird. Because <laughs> yeah. you're like, you're buying like, you're like Taylor Swift and then Justin Bieber Miley tickets. Cyrus and then Metallica. And you're just like, it was just like the weirdest stuff. The US Open there. is definitely using Fan360 in order to understand the behavior of brokers because they can see yeah. the, you know, the ticketing history across, you know, aggregated, um, and, and they, they absolutely know who the ticketing brokers oh, are. Oh, sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's they, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to make too many comments on that, 
but yeah, but that's interesting uh, info. And but then I think I think we want to go. But then a lot, but a lot of that too is like I could see a lot of the cross marketing that would come in because they clearly are def, you know putting they segment certain things because I hadn't bought tickets for something and now you're getting emails for similar things. I mean, it makes sense. And those I'm are, still unfollowing some of those like three years later. <laughs> those are what we call audiences. They're you know they're just ways to group fans in order to create personalized communications. But I mean, our goal. When I when I think about my first experience, um, that that really because yeah, it, it was definitely the Royals game, sitting with my my grandma and my aunt, and they were they were wearing their headphones and you know <laughs> listening keep, to the radio, listening to the, the radio, stadium, and then yeah. and then uh, you know keeping the card right there. You there. always knew those were the real fans, the people <laughs> that were at the game, the old school style. Yeah. If you're if you're running the scorecard. Or if you're listening. Yep. And then I always enjoyed so I one of my Royal season tickets in twenty fourteen. I went to every game in twenty fourteen. The every home game. It was a bucket list thing. I went to all the playoffs. But in one of my seats, there was an old couple that sat in front of me and uh, he had like one ear, like one earphone, and she would just sit and read the paper the whole time. I'm like, I was just like, I mean, and not even sports. I'm like looking over, she's like reading there, the lifestyle section at, of the star. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. At Sporting Kansas City, there was an old couple every single game that would sit in front of me and do the same thing. He'd yeah. bring the iP- his iPad yeah. and the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if he was a parent, like one of his kids was like on the team and he just passed to show up or what, but yeah, he didn't pay any attention. To yeah, it, well, yeah, but no, the, the, the guy was, <laughs> and he would like sometimes, oh, yeah. my grandma, sometimes, my, my aunt, they, they were, I think, like the most engaged people in in the game. So. I, well, I made friends with the guy because sometimes something would happen. And, yeah, you'd and say, well, hey, like, what happened? Hey, hey, what's going on? You exactly. Know, what's Joel Goldberg talking about? <laughs> yeah. Now I just text Joel. Was that, was that, a, <laughs> was, was that an error, Grandma? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, I raise it because when, when I first went to the, you know, my, my first real live event, you're talking about the, the difference that a crowd makes, Matt. I remember going to you two um, mm-hmm. the zoo tour at Arrowhead. Oh yeah. And, um, I, I'd been to a concert before, but I grew up in a very small town. So I, I like, not like that. Concerts and, are way different than sports. But, like, I mean, and they're similar, but they're like, it's a different dynamic as well though. Like, you know, and we've noticed that in our own suites, like there's a big difference between the way the crowd reacts at the sprint center when a concert's going on and when we're at, at the Royals. Because yeah. it's just a different, like, you know, like you have to almost structure your, you can't just sit there and talk like we are now. You can do that at baseball, but you can't do that at concerts. Might be a little harder. So do you guys take a different approach to different types? Because because NASCAR, like you were mentioning racing and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you been in a NASCAR race, Matt? Yeah, you can't talk. It's that. loud. Yeah. It's like way loud, way loud. So does that have something to do with the, the approach as well? Like knowing that there's going to be given breaks, pauses or... Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the whole thing is, you know, it, it is entertainment and it's structured yeah. that way. Our goal, though, is no matter whether it's a live event um, or whether it's a, you know, just a, a game, if you will. I mean, I, I want to feel like and I, I want the fan to feel like a participant. And that's that's the I, I think the first time I felt like when, when I was at U2, I, I specifically remember like, you know, you've got probably 60,000 at Arrowhead. At, you know, it, it was completely filled. Um, and th- there, were, there was a moment in the concert where the lights came back on the crowd. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, you know, everybody with their, their hands in the air. And you just see this mass of people. Yeah. And it changes. It's, you know, because then it, the, you know, really the focus 
is on is on you as a fan and and you become not just a spectator you become a participant and that's that's the the you know the part that this this isn't a, about data so much as is you you also want the experience to be something where you can you can bring the fan in and and really give them the sense that you're a participant like well this is tri- I, this is I, the basics of tribe building the concept of tribe building community and, you know, like and, the the yeah. if you can build that community around anything the community, the interaction that the people have with each other on many levels becomes equal to, and in some cases more valuable than whatever it is they're there or gathering around. And, uh, you know, that, that is, it's difficult though. It's really difficult because the tribe is finicky. You can gain them or lose them (laughs) at about the same velocity, if not faster. I mean, it's true. And then, but getting people involved. So the co-author of my last book, Joel Cummins of Humphreys McGee, Mm -hmm. they did a great job. So this is a band that they, they operate in what we'll call kind of a niche genre, but they still play for like three to 10,000 people a night. They're doing really well. But 10 years ago, they did an interactive experience where they let their fan, they called it the humble and they let their fans vote live at the show about what the songs song. they yeah. or or it, well yeah they're a jam band so they kind of had some time <laughs> to figure it out but you could go to these shows and like okay okay here's two songs they're head to head what do you pick and so you pick one that's and cool. that's, like that's that. what they yeah. would go into yeah. next now sometimes with no interruption meaning like they didn't stop and then play another song so think about that as a musician you have to figure out how to segue from one song you're playing into another one that the fans just voted on, but that was wildly popular. And 10 years ago, nobody can, had done it. Can you imagine like in the NFL, if the fans could vote, if they should go for it on fourth down or not? Oh, well, they go for it every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, there, there are other ways to achieve that. I mean, for, first of all, they, they always should build on the traditions of the team, right? I think sporting Kansas city has some wonderful traditions. So there are those things, those, those create that community, which that's not, about the fan experience, you know, software, but, but it's certainly, you know, the, the elements that you want to build upon, but for us, yeah, we, we want to make someone feel like they're a participant in, and, and again, I I said the first rule of data collection, it's about making sure that you're using that data, but if you can use it in a way where you really make them a participant, and then there are also just things like we have a light show, like our, our mobile app, um, the, the light show is, is part of it where you've got like it, University of Virginia last year they played Duke. It was a it was a huge yeah. night. Yeah. Right. You've got Zion in the building. Right. They doubled, you know, the number of people on their mobile app, you know, the the week of that event because people just wanted to download the app so they could be part of the light show. That's cool. Right. John That's Paul really Jones, cool. like I I can show you guys a video after this, but like, you know, when when you see those things, those visceral that that's that's far beyond data. And, yeah, right? and that's that's like I said, kind of like with the umball thing. Like you get people involved, and they yeah. feel like they're doing part of it. it, it there's just like this different bond. It's yeah, like that's really cool. It's like the voting or the polling thing. It's like you know, kind of like oh, I won, you know. And it's just, but th- there's a level of attraction and 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 interaction, and you know, that's what a lot of the the teams were telling me as I was exiting ticketing is they were challenged, you know, they were like, we have to step up our game. And I'm seeing that they're really doing that. Obviously what they're doing with companies like yours is a big part of that. Um, music is struggling in the same regards, you know, it's, uh, but at the same, uh, so, you know, the music industry's changed dramatically because, you know, 20 years ago we bought CDs and records and, and tangible products that amassed huge amounts of sales and 20 years ago streaming at well napster 
you look at Napster and like that kind of stuff. And they're like, this is the devil. Well, Napster pay, paved the way and broke down the wall for the whole streaming economy. And now no, who buys an, have you bought an album? I don't even buy movies anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Either. So, and you know, that's, I mean, you, you mean like a DVD, like a yeah, tangible I don't buy thing. Blu-rays yeah. anymore. Right. And you know, music, the same thing, like no one buys an album. So that forced the music industry to get a lot more centric around touring again, yep. which I love. I think it's and great. having so, a better fan experience and having a better fan Absolutely. experience. And that's, that's another thing that at the, that's tough though. Cause like I said, that different dynamic now, I, there's a lot more quote GA stuff at a concert in concerts in general than there is in sports like you talking about the lawn at an amphitheater or a floor or stuff yeah. like that and you know when we went to one of these events uh, at the sprint it was travis scott actually and yeah of all you know my son was there well but yeah. did, but the, our suite attendant so when i got there and we can get in a little early just because, you know, our tickets give us like 30 minutes prior. And I was talking to the suite attendant. I, there was a line wrapped around the entire building of people waiting to get in. And they were waiting to get a better spot on the floor. And, you know, so some of that is like, you know, you look at like, what can you do to keep those people interested and entertained, engaged and stuff like that? So, Jason, I have a quick question as we kind of round this out and, and down. Uh, what's the biggest challenge you guys have had to overcome or something that uh, maybe you didn't think about or you're like, uh, I think anyone with a startup is kind of like, okay, uh, wow, we didn't even consider that. And this is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, for us, our history uh, in terms of the way the platform evolved, it initially was one where we started to build, you know, transactional things that our clients needed. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, hey, we'll build a CRM for you. We'll build a mobile app for you. In seed ordering. And, yeah. and and the data was behind it. But the data was an aspect that we said, let's just give them access to it. And then they'll they'll go in. We'll, we'll, we'll just give them a query tool and then we'll we'll let them go in and find what they can do. The, the biggest mistake we made to, to answer your 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 question was. Can that, I guess? Was it assuming that they would actually do anything with it? It, it was absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what they would know what to do with it. Don't know what to do with it. The data yeah. says that you know there's a thirteen dollar return for every dollar invested in data science, but that doesn't mean that everybody knows what to do with it. Don't know what question and, to ask. And let me let yeah. me just tell you a story that to me articulates why this this is so easy. You know to. to you know, as in terms of a failure, if you will, not only on us, but, but also on, on other people, but I, I love traveling and I'm, I'm a diver. Do you guys dive? Mm -mm. No, but I'm on my way somewhere where a lot of people do headed to Cebu here in a few hours. So yeah. I went to the Galapagos recently and the Galapagos is a world-class diving site. I think it's the best place to dive in the world. And so from Kansas city fly into Peru, you know, it's like, that's a day and then you spend the night and then you fly out to the Galapagos. That's another half day. Then I get on a boat and then I go overnight to get up to like Darwin's arch and, and, and really the, you know, the northernmost part of the Galapagos. So call it two and a half days of travel. We get all the way up there and I see like a national geographic cruise ship. So we're on a small, like live aboard dive boat. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at these guys and it's not a dive boat. They're just cruising around the Galapagos and the Galapagos is 97%. Uh, it's, you know, it's a nature conservancy. Mm -hmm. So you can't even access it unless you're, you know, a scientist. And so the, the only thing that 
the people on that boat saw was what was visible, right? I mean, they, they could effectively see the horizon and they could see the things that were brought up from what was under, you know, if, if there was something that happened to come up to the top of the water, they could see it. But the reality is, is that like, I went 80 to hundred feet deeper and I, I dove right next to a whale shark that was about the size of a city bus. I, I could have run my hand down the back of it. I can show you guys a video right after this. It was massive. We saw unbelievable marine life, 80 feet. Like I traveled two and a half days and, and I, I'm guessing that people also traveled many hours or days to get on that boat, but they didn't go 80 feet deeper. And, and yet they didn't see like they didn't see 90% anything. of yeah. what I saw. And the reason is, is that nobody brought it to the surface, Matt. And so for us, like just to assume, hey, we'll bring all the data together and then you'll find it. No, no, no. We need to actually like look. We need to bring the data together. Look for the signal inside that data. And then we need to pull the insights, bring those to the surface for you, and then help automate, simplify what it is that you're going to do with those audiences so that these are things that are, are really, you know, call it do, do it for me or set it and forget it, whatever it is. But we have to make it tangible what you're going to get. And then we have to absolutely, you know, make it where we lead you and, and automate to whatever degree we can the, the outcome. And, and that ultimately, I think, is, is not only how we continue to, you know, to iterate as a company and, and how I'm, I'm trying to transform what we do, but also how we transform, you know, the way our clients act on their data. That's a great analogy because all those people on the boat want to have a great experience, but they don't want to go scuba diving 90 feet underwater. But, but I think, I think that they, <laughs> or, they do, or they don't know how <laughs> they don't. Yeah. They don't but, know how, or yeah. but here's yeah, the problem. They all want to have a great experience. If you they, survey them afterwards, I, I bet that they would say I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I saw amazing things, but like, if they talk to me, yeah. How do you think they'd feel? Yeah, yeah. And right, so the point sure. is, is that most professional sports clubs, and, and actually there are other businesses that are same way, like because they don't know what's in the data, they think, oh, we're doing a pretty good job. Even baseball, sure, right? Like baseball has a declining attendance, and yet the Royals have grown 10x in their value in a very short amount of time. And so there, there are indications that, hey, you're doing the right things when you may not be. And yet, if you don't spend the time or don't know how to get to the data, then you're, you're missing out. And so we have to, this is the Fan360, we have to make sure that we're bringing those insights to the surface. Sure. And, and then making it really easy for them to, you know, to capitalize on them to improve the fan experience. The reason I was able to make that educated guess is I was recently talking to uh, a local business person that does some machine learning type stuff and data analytics. It's way different than what you guys do, but he was expressing to me that the, 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 I don't want to say that he called a mistake, but what the biggest oversight they had made to that point was assuming that the companies they were working with would be actionable with the data, you know? And, and I, I just always refer to that to a sales equation. Like you have data on the left side of the equal, you, on the other side of the equal sign, you have a sale or an action. And if you don't complete both sides of that equation, either side is either struggling or kind of worthless. That's right. And, and I think that what, what I see and, and what we do is, is we help clients make their data active. Yeah. And, you know, really analytics is about being, you know, reactive. It's like, it's really looking at data and saying, hey, here's an insight. If you look in the rear view mirror, this, this might've helped our business, but you wanna be a model-driven company. 
Yeah, but might might have is a is a past tense. That's right. I yeah. mean, what you want to do is you want to know in real time. For instance, if if you know uh, like a retention predictive model, meaning that like I can look in the rearview mirror and find out that in a MLS season that if you miss three games, you're likely to not come back. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, how does that help me? But what if based on ticket scans in real time, I know that you've missed two games mm -hmm. and now like, I want to make sure that Matt <laughs> comes, you know, to the next game and doesn't miss three in a row. That is actually using my data in real time and actually, you know, what we call real-time activations. That's we want to, and, and, and we, that, we that, ultimately that, want to use that data. That data is valuable also to people like SeatGeek and StubHub and whatever. Like, hey, these people aren't using their tickets. I would think that there's some cross-promotion yeah, there. Yeah, ticket utilization and, for and, sure. And by the way, before we get to the thrilling conclusion here, I want to remind everyone this, uh, the Startup Hustle podcast is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We help people build software teams fast and affordably. Uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel. We're on on the gram at, at Startup Hustle Podcast, where you can also see the latest pictures of the new co-host, Lego Voltron. Yeah. <laughs> um, check out Matt's company, Stackify. They do application performance management. And uh, if you get a chance, like, review, subscribe. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear you, you, your thoughts and input because we like data too. So as we round this out, Jason, I'm going to give you the, the mic here for a second. What do you what do you see down the road? What are your guys' big plans at Fan360? Like what what's the what's the exciting outlook on all of this? Yeah, I, I, I think it's exactly what I just mentioned, which is I want to make it absolutely clear. I want to I want to bring the insights that are really valuable to the surface for all of my clients. And I want to make it absolutely clear what we see in your fan data and then i want to make the you know the activations real time and something that ultimately they just have to configure they don't they don't have to know how do i get the insight and they they don't have to know how do i like put this together because we ultimately you know package that in a way where they can just kind of configure and and then be an operator of their fan experience and then just look at the metrics to see how it's it's going and, and that is is what i think about for a lot of companies, which is becoming model driven, right? Where, where the data, you don't just understand it, but you're actually using the insights from predictive models in real time to drive your business. Yep. And, and that's what I want to do for all of our clients. I want them to be model driven in the way that they approach. They, they use their data in real time. And you guys can share they use fan best practices you see across the industry, across teams, well, all that, that stuff. Yeah. I mean, great. that's, that's the, you know, that's the network effect. Yep. Sure. That's it. Even if, even we, if you're really good, full, we use that at full scale too. Like, that's I mean, right. when I talk to, to clients or potential clients and say, Hey, look, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm just going to try to help you understand what other people are doing successfully. And that data is, it, well, that insight can, well, it, it makes you a little more, can make you a little more proactive rather than saying, man, I got to go try, I'm going to try to do something different and hope that it works out. So, well, Jason, thank you so much for coming in. I'm, thank I'm you guys. I, I appreciate what you're doing with the live experience. I think it's really cool. I love the whole idea of, of using data analytics to, you know, just have some basic business intelligence and insight. Um, you know, really looking forward to seeing you, you want to come back at some point and, and let us know how this is continuing to, to grow. Cause this is a hot topic. The, the whole, any, everything from data to machine learning to AI Absolutely. to all that is just such a massive, 
uh, a growth area for startups in general. Yep. So Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and end the show because I'm going to travel halfway around the world where I'm going <laughs> to say, travels, day, yeah, where I'm going to keep up with all you guys and uh, maybe we'll do Matt goes to Cebu part two. We should. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.